Welcome to The Light of the World, and this is Jerry G. Martin. I want you to join me as we bring you a series that our pastors preached called Unstuck. Many believers find themselves stuck in a rut, stuck in sin, or stuck with sickness, disease, relationship issues, financial issues, or in a storm of life. You're going to hear from our lead pastor, Pastor Jackie Martin. You're going to hear from my son, Jared, and my daughter, Jasmine, as they share in this series called Unstuck. If you find yourself now stuck in a place where you can't seem to move forward, today's message is for you. At the end of today's broadcast, we're going to let you know how you can get prayer or you can get connected with God so that you too can be unstuck. Come go with us as we walk in the light of God's Word. But right there, I realized how significant the storms of life can throw us off balance. Out of nowhere, in the middle of of, uh, what should have been a great, fun weekend, I was in the middle of a storm that they said only had a 1 in 10,000 years chance of happening. That's how much God didn't want me to get fried catfish. And sometimes we're going through life and the storms just kind of suddenly come up and knock us off of our horse. So what I want to do today is talk about the purpose for the storm, not just so that you can get out of the storm, but so that you can have a better perspective while you're in it. So we're going to go through three passages today. All of these are actually the exact same uh, event. It's actually important that I say this. So, so when the Bible was constructed, when the New Testament was constructed, the number one focus was not necessarily historical accuracy. The number one focus was revealing the divinity of Jesus to whoever their audience was. Books that were written primarily for Jews always paint Jesus as the Messiah. Books that were painted for Gentiles uh, generally paint Jesus as the, as the king, as a new king of, of the universe, as the coming king. So we're going to read these three passages, all of which you'll notice are very different and are covering the same event, but I think it speaks to the truth that all of us endure storms a different way. If we all talked about this last year and the pandemic, we'd all have different stories, right? Some of you guys would say it was, it was terrible. I was unemployed. I was struggling. Maybe it was a story of loss. Some people say, man, it was the greatest time of my life. I no longer have to go into an office anytime. I've been working from home. I'm free. Some of y'all put on some pounds. That's going to be the story of the pandemic. But all of us have a different story of what happens. So we're going to start off right here in John 6, uh, verse 15 through 21. It's a well-known story. And essentially, this story comes right off the bat of the disciples watching Jesus feed the 5,000. So Jesus has just fed the 5,000, and they're leaving, and this is what the writer of John writes. And again, that is John 6, 15 through 21. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. As darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come, they got into the boat and headed across the lake towards Capernaum. Soon a gal swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough. 
They rowed three or four miles, and suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water towards the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, Don't be afraid. I am here. Then they were eager to let him into the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. If you're writing this down, point number one is that the storm reveals my patience. The storm reveals my patience. You see, the story says that the disciples were there on the shore waiting for Jesus, and then all of a sudden, as it gets late, they're like, look, we still have somewhere to be. How many times in life have you been sitting on the shore of your destiny, sitting on the shore of your vision, sitting on the shore waiting for a healing in a relationship, a healing in your body, and you're waiting on Jesus to show up, but it kind of seems like like the sun is, is setting on your situation. The disciples found themselves in that place, and what they decided to do was, was look, I, we, we have a place that we have to arrive to, so let's just go ahead and leave without Jesus. There's so many people who are so insistent, um, so concerned with arriving that they forget the very person that they're supposed to be traveling with. Like, man, I got to go somewhere. I got somewhere to be. There's something that I need to see right now. So instead, I'm just going to go out and jump out and do it. I'm going to just go out and take what I need because it doesn't seem like Jesus is actually going to show up. The crazy thing is that the disciples were spending all of their time, all of their years, uh, or all of these like years and months following Jesus. Once they got to the other side, what would they have to do? The, the whole point, the whole mission would have been gone. Great, you arrived, but what do you do next? They didn't have the man with them that created the the mission. They didn't have the man who was the source of the vision. They didn't have the man who was the source of the healing. If anything, the disciples would have gotten to the other side and said, we've arrived, but we still don't have Jesus. And what I would like to propose to you is that you have nowhere to be where Jesus isn't with you. You have, have no place to be where Jesus isn't accompanying you. So the Bible says that they go ahead and they leave without Jesus. And the winds come and everything comes roaring. And then all of a sudden, they see Jesus out in the distance. And the Bible said something so peculiar here. It says that Jesus was walking. So I can only imagine them all sitting there, all frazzled, all distressed, yelling at each other, move here, do this, do this. And then finally they see Jesus off in in their view and he's coming their direction. And they're like, oh, okay, no, 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 Jesus is walking this way. He's coming. He's finally showing up. They look around and they say, well, what should we do? I guess we'll wait. See, You have an opportunity to either wait at the shore and do the journey with Jesus, or you can wait to be delivered from the storm. It's your decision on which one you want to wait for. 
It's funny that, that Jesus is walking, and, and you'll notice that Jesus never runs anywhere in the Bible. He's never in a rush. He's never in a hurry because I believe that Jesus always knew that no matter where he was, he would have everything that he needed and that God would always show, show up. If I'm three days late to a funeral, it doesn't matter. I can just raise them from the dead. When you think God is going to show up, you walk. You'll notice that's the opposite of what the disciples did. They didn't think God would show up, so they, they rushed ahead in ambition. But when you have faith and trust that God is going to show up, you can walk and be in complete peace. So the storm reveals your patience. The storm reveals your patience. If you turn to Mark 6, 45 through 54, this same passage. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all afraid when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to him at once. Do not be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. After they crossed the lake, they landed in Gansarap. So the storm reveals my perspective. The storm reveals my perspective. And this particular telling of the story, Jesus actually sends them out. So they were in the right place doing exactly what Jesus told them to do, but still a storm came up. And, and I, I find it interesting, you know, the disciples, so many of them um, worked on boats, so many of them were fishermen, and it says that when the storm started to come, when the storm showed up, that they decided, okay, we're going to just row our way out of the storm. We're going to work. We know how to get out of storms because we've done this time and time again. So I know, I know exactly what this is like. And what happens is that the disciples actually lean on their own strength to try to get deliverance from the storm. They're like, I've been this before. This is what I know. This is what I've always done. And a lot of times when we get in these situations where we feel like it's a storm, we have a tendency to, to, uh, to fall back on what we know. We have a tendency to fall back on what we've always done instead of trusting God. That's exactly what the disciples did. They were going and going and going. It's like, it's what I've always done. It's like, yeah, that, that's why you're tired. Like you always are. That's why you're, you're struggling. And you're exhausted and you're weary because you're trusting in your own strength and not trusting in Jesus. It's, it's crazy to me that they're in this situation and the, what they just left was seeing Jesus do one of the most miraculous things ever. 
They just leave the feeding of the 5,000, where he feeds people with just a couple of fish and just a few loaves of, of bread. And, and what that goes to show you is that whenever you're in a storm, you don't need to look at yourself, but you actually just need to look at the goodness of God. A lot of times we're in these situations and we feel like, man, I can't remember the last time God was good to me. I need to look back months. But if you're just like the disciples, you don't need to look back months. You just need to look back minutes to see the miracle of where God has been moving uh, in your life. If they had set their eyes on that, that's why this passage ends by saying that their, heart, their hearts were hard. They did not understand the miracle because they did not understand that they served a miraculous God that could deliver them from the situation that they're in. That if he could provide for the 5,000, that he could get them out of the storm. Jesus, the most unusual thing in this passage, it actually says that Jesus intended to pass them by. Which just sounds downright disrespectful. Like, Jesus, help us, help us, help us. He's like, who? It's like when you go to the grocery store and you see somebody, but you don't want to talk to him. He's like, who? I got somewhere to go. And so Jesus intended to pass them by. Now, the, the language here actually points to uh, a passage in Genesis 33. So in Genesis, uh, we have the story of, of, of Moses Moses says, God, I want to see your glory. So he goes up a mountain and God finally says, okay, I'll let you see my glory, but you're going to have to hide yourself within a rock. Hide yourself in between these rocks and then I'm going to walk by and then only at the very, very end, uh, I'll let you open up my eyes. You can see my, my backside because that's the only uh, glory that you can take in, the only glory that you can see. So Jesus is now with his disciples, and they say that he intends to walk past them. He intends to pass them by. But this is what Jesus uh, has done, is that when Jesus hears the cry of man that needs his help, instead of walking past and saying, that's all you can take, he actually turns around and gets inside of the boat with them. That he says that, that my goodness and my divinity has now come to you. That this is something that I love you so much that I was willing to put on human flesh and get into the storm and get into the boat with you. See, Jesus wasn't concerned with relief from the storm. What he wanted to do was give them a revelation. Oftentimes the storms that, we, that we're in, that's exactly what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to reveal his glory to you and give us a revelation. So the storm always, always shows us our perspective on who we're trusting in. Lastly, if you can turn to Matthew 14, 22 and 34. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent them home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills and to pray. Night fell and he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Do not be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. 
Then Peter called and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You are the son of God, they exclaimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed in Gensarap. Last point here is that the storm reveals my promise. The storm reveals my promise. Now, to really understand the depth of what, what happens here with Peter, we have to understand kind of the imagery that people would have understood as they, as they listened to, to this passage uh, in their day. So uh, first century uh, Jewish people, they were largely an agrarian society. They were concerned about trade and transportation as well as just agriculture. And in and, and their perspective, man had, had tamed land, but the sea was something that was, you could fish there, but it was, it was vast, it was scary, it was something that, that was temperamental and could destroy you. Even if you go back as far as Exodus, when Moses and, and the Israelites uh, leave Egypt, the, the writer talks about not only how Jesus or how God defeated um, the Egyptians, but he also defeated the sea. When Job writes and talks about God and his, and his goodness and his grandness, he talks about the Leviathan, which is a picture of chaos that lives in the seas, this mysterious animal. Most theologians don't think he was a real animal, but it was, um, it was kind of like a cultural picture. Like, this, like the Leviathan is the, is the thing that causes all of this chaos and pain in the world. You can imagine ships would go out and would never come in or never come home. And it was because the sea was something that was completely untamable. So when Jesus walks on the water, it's actually telling us that Jesus is the person who can overcome and tame the chaos and destruction of life. That Jesus uh, is the person uh, who, who can calm even the, the wildest and the greatest and what in their imagination was the most untamable thing. But the person of Jesus actually takes it further. Peter is asking, is it just, can I walk? A lot of times you boil that down to like, oh, this is really cool. It's, a, it's against science. There's no way he should be able to do that. But what he's really saying is that, can I too defeat the chaos of life? Do I, too, have access to a power to calm the storm? Do I, too, have a victory over, over sin in the darkness, in the death of life? And what Jesus says is, yes, that I will share my divinity with you. I will share my life with you. That, that because you are in me, that you too can stand atop the chaos of life. That you too can stand atop the sin of life. That you too can stand atop the destruction of life. That the promise that God has for you is that the storm will not take you out. The storm cannot take you out. Even when, when, when Peter begins 
to look at the waves and to look at everything else and take his focus off of God. He essentially looks at the world and then becomes of the world and simply ordinary again. Even when he's taken his eyes off of the person of Jesus, Jesus just simply puts his hand out and pulls him back and brings him home. There's nothing that you can do to get yourself out of the loving grace of God. That his hand is always outreached. That his hand is always there to pick you up and to take you home. So this morning, uh, the, what I want to ask uh, you all is that if, you, if, you're, if you're here and you feel like, man, I have chaos in my life. I feel the destruction in my life. I feel the, the darkness as I'm on the shore settling in. And I feel like I don't have my perspective rooted in Jesus. I feel like my promise is, isn't rooted in the person of Jesus. I feel just disconnected from God and from what he wants to do in my life. What I'm going to do in just a moment here is we're, we're all going to we're all going to pray because I believe that when you have the right perspective, that when when your eyes are on Jesus, the storms are something that aren't going to define you, that you can live a life completely unstuck. And all it takes is trusting in God and changing your focus and your perspective to what is God doing in my life? What is Jesus doing in my life? Where is he right now? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? That I can imagine uh, the feelings of the disciples when there was, they felt hopeless, they felt discouraged, they felt frustrated with life, they felt stuck. And what Jesus wants to do this morning is just enter into that place. He wants to enter into that place with you and meet you in the middle of, 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 your, of your stuckness. He wants to meet you uh, in the middle of your disappointment, in the middle of your shame, in the middle of your frustration. So I'm going to uh, pray for us all. But Lord God, I just pray for, for every heart that you've brought here today. I just pray that you meet us, that you are in this moment revealing to us where you are, what you're doing in our lives that you're always moving, that you're always working, that, you're, that the long hand of grace is always extended towards us. Lord, we just uh, recalibrate our eyes onto you and we say yes to what you're doing. We say yes to aligning with your will and with your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. There's an old hymn that says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters he lifted me, now save am I. You talk about being stuck in sin, that's what we all are until we receive the redemption of the blood of Jesus Christ. This is Jerry G. Martin. Thank you again for listening to The Light of the World. You've heard one of our pastors, 
giving you the word of God about getting unstuck no matter where you are. There are some of you who may be listening to us right now who feel like you can't move forward. You know the Lord Jesus Christ, but you found yourself in a place and in a space where you can't seem to break free. I want you to know there's freedom for you. You can call us right now on our prayer line number, 281-964-1393. We will pray for you and we will stand with you. We'll give your name to our intercessory team and we'll believe God will do something fresh and great in your life right now. If you would like to listen to today's message again in its entirety, you can get it on our podcast, The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can listen to previous messages that you've heard on this station as well. Then join us for worship in person on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at 16161 Old Humble Road. Or join us online at lowcf.org. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, May the Lord our God richly bless you and we'll be with you again next time.